This is a Target USA special report. Turmoil in the U.S. intelligence community. I'm J.J. Green. On the very first episode of Target USA in 2016, we talked with the current director at the time of national intelligence, James Clapper. During the interview, he said something very prescient. ISIL is not a mortal enemy of the United States. It could cause us harm, it can kill our people, but it is not a mortal enemy of the United States. It can inflict mortal damage to the United States. Russia can. All of us in intelligence, I think, need to keep that uh, in mind and in, and in proportion. Russia has embarked on a very uh, impressive um, campaign to modernize uh, their military in, in all its dimensions. Um, that, that, that is a, a bother. That's a worry, and that's something we need to be um, concerned with. I think one difference here, if, uh, you know, if there's insight, is is always trying to keep in in mind uh, two when you're assessing an adversary or a threat is uh, two dimensions. One is um, capability, and the other, of course, is intent. So, just contrasting ISIS and Russia. So, I, ISIS has a very, very malign intent towards the West and towards the United. States. But they don't have uh, the capability, fortunately, at least at this point, uh, in terms of destructive power that Russia has. Russia, in contrast, has huge capabilities, which if they chose to unleash, could uh, render huge harm to this country. But we don't believe they have the intent to do that. So it's always about, I, I, I mentioned those two extremes or those two examples to just illustrate the importance of factoring both capability and intent whenever you're contemplating or thinking thinking about uh, an adversary that might do you harm. Can and it's up to intelligence, I think, to uh, keep that proportion in mind as well, and particularly in terms of trying to strike a balance between uh, how, we or how we allocate resources against those various uh, threats. Obviously, ISIS has been defeated, but Russia is still there. His reference to Russia is important because Russia since then has become linked to U.S. intelligence in a way no one, perhaps except Clapper, imagined. This was him testifying on the Hill in 2017 after the intelligence community determined Russia had interfered in the 2016 election. Concern about the egregious Russian interference in our election process is so critically serious as to merit focus, hopefully bipartisan focus, by the Congress and the American people. Last year, the intelligence community conducted an exhaustive review of Russian inter interference into our presidential election process, resulting in a special intelligence community assessment, or ICA, as we call it. Later in the briefing, Clapper delivered a summary of their findings. Following extensive intelligence reporting about many Russian efforts to collect on and influence the outcome of the presidential election, President Obama asked us to do this in early December and have it completed before the end of his term. The two dozen or so analysts for this task were hand-picked, seasoned experts from each of the contributing agencies. They were given complete, unfettered, mutual access to all sensitive raw intelligence data, and importantly, complete independence to reach their findings. They found that the Russian government pursued a multifaceted influence campaign in the run-up to the election, including aggressive use of cyber capabilities. The Russians used cyber operations against both political parties, including hacking into servers used by the Democratic National Committee and releasing stolen data to WikiLeaks and other media outlets. 
Russia also collected on certain Republican Party-affiliated targets, but did not release any Republican-related data. The intelligence community assessment concluded first that President Putin directed an influence campaign to erode the faith and confidence of the American people in our presidential election process. Second, that he did so to demean Secretary Clinton. And third, that he sought to advantage Mr. Trump. These conclusions were reached based on the richness of the information gathered and analyzed and were thoroughly vetted and then approved by the directors of the three agencies and me. Since that time, as we return to the present day, the intelligence community has been focused on investigating Russian attempts to interfere in U.S. politics and elections. And a new position was established to focus on that and nothing else. The official leading the effort is called the Election Threats Executive. As you may remember, we spoke to that person, Shelby Pearson, recently on episode 208. Part of that conversation was about what the ODNI was doing to prevent election interference. I think certainly as we get closer to 2020, um, a very practical measure of success is have we actioned every piece of relevant information um, in the appropriate way? So action could mean everything. Did we produce a product on it? Did we produce, a, let's say, a president's daily brief on it? Did we um, ensure that the FBI's counterintelligence unit received it so they could work within the FBI's authorities to action that information? Did I downgrade the information to share it with a state and local uh, election official because they need to know? So I think for me, a very practical measure of success centers on this issue of did I action everything that I had resident in mm -hmm. our holdings. Mm -hmm. And I think, although that's a very practical measure, it's one that I think is is both tangible um, and I, I think ensures that the intelligence community isn't um, limited to simply analysis, but also expanding the impact of its work into those other constituencies I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Let's get into some more specific and harder core questions. Um, you mentioned the 2020 election clearly is a part of why you and your team, your team exists. Um, what, and we're worried and have been for a while about some pretty pernicious and serious and insidious threats. Mm -hmm. So what are those threats? I think um, as we have tried to um, continue to communicate these threats across the board, um, we are certainly looking at the traditional actors of uh, Russia, China, and Iran, um, also non-state actors, hacktivists, uh, and frankly, uh, even domestic actors, which of course the FBI and DHS would lead on um, going into 2020. And so, as I mentioned earlier, I think those threats can focus on both uh, potential threats to the infrastructure uh, related to um, uh, casting votes or voter rolls or voter registration databases, as well as uh, malign influence or influence operations whose sponsorship is not known uh, to the target or the recipient. Around the same time we conducted our interview with Pearson, she delivered a classified briefing on Capitol Hill that ignited some events that I don't think anyone was prepared for. That briefing triggered a stream of activities in Washington that led to the sudden resignation of Acting Director of National Intelligence Joseph McGuire on February 21st. McGuire's departure followed an abrupt Twitter post on February 19th by President Donald Trump, 
welcoming Richard Grinnell, the U.S. ambassador to Germany, as the new acting DNI, and thanking McGuire for his service. It was later revealed that Mr. Trump had become enraged when he learned that the briefer, Pearson, who works in the office of the Director of National Intelligence, allegedly told members of the House Intelligence Committee Russia was attempting to interfere in the 2020 election with the goal of helping Mr. Trump win re-election. It's not clear what exactly was said, because that, again, was a classified briefing. The episode, which renewed simmering tensions between the president and the intelligence community, left many in the community in the dark about the future. One official told me we were completely in the dark about all of this. Grinnell is a former U.S. government policy and communications advisor. His lack of intelligence experience fueled much of the concern in the intelligence community and on Capitol Hill. According to Senator Mark Warner from Virginia, vice chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee, he said, I think it's ludicrous when you recognize the director of national intelligence who oversees 17 different agencies, all with a different mission set, doesn't have someone with prior experience in the position or at least respect from the intelligence community. I think it's a real error in judgment. Those, again, are the words of Senator Mark Warner, vice chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. Warner and others in the intelligence community fear Grinnell's political connections to Trump will create an atmosphere that suppresses or manipulates certain intelligence findings out of fear that it will anger Trump and further disrupt the career paths of intelligence officials and personnel. As questions swirled about her future under the acting DNI, Pearson said in a statement to several media, Ambassador Grinnell has not asked me to leave. In fact, she said, he has encouraged and affirmed his support for my position here in the organization. And she finished by saying, I have not asked to depart nor discussed resignation in any way. On February 28th, President Trump renominated Texas Congressman John Radcliffe to be the permanent director of national intelligence. Radcliffe had been put forward previously, but withdrew his name on the 2nd of August in 2018 after allegations surfaced that he had exaggerated his role in fighting terrorism as a federal prosecutor in the early 2000s. So where do we go from here? The intelligence community professionals will continue to do their work. Who will lead them is an open question. How all of this will impact the efforts of the nation's adversaries is also unclear. But I can tell you that as of today, there is no evidence that any of them have stopped their efforts to target the U.S. Target USA will continue to follow this. This has been a special report. Turmoil in the U.S. intelligence community. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast.